Pastoring an Evangelical Church as a Non-Evangelical, Confessions, Part 2. But here's the intro. I'm a Christian. What people think an evangelical Christian is, I am not one. What most people tend to think of an evangelical church is, I work at one and love. I tend to see things a lot differently, though, and like many others, have had a great deal of changes in my faith. I now live by the rule that critiquing the church is a sure way of loving it, a sign of care, as long as you love it. So I call this podcast Pastor With No Answers because honestly, I found myself less concerned in recent years with being sure of so many things because I don't think we can be. This actually seems abundantly clear just by the sheer number of denominations today that were formed because of a specific approach to belief that a specific group of people had in common with one another. I mean, let's just maybe stick with Jesus here. So I I do feel like my footing is a lot different from most evangelicals, but I have no reason or desire to part ways with a family I'm a part of, a family that loves me, the one that sustained my family during my mental health crisis last year. And I have a little secret. I'm nothing special. There are a lot of more people that feel like they're in my shoes in a community they've been in for years and they love but they just can't stop thinking differently we even feel like this process is god ordained and sometimes it just it it can feel really hard so i just want to pop in on this podcast once in a while and share some things i value and hold dearly as i've processed this beautiful tension over the years some of those years to be honest i was a jerk behind the scenes now, to truly to, to stay true with the title of this podcast, please receive my words as my words from my brain. I mean, sure, I believe most of these thoughts are legit or else I wouldn't be saying them, but that doesn't mean that they are. I don't claim any dibs on having figured out 100% of the Christian faith. Part two. You know, I've never, let's see here. Yeah, I've never been anti-church, never. Well, I mean, Westboro Baptist, God hates their web address, by the way, and he hates a lot more than that. I, I've i spoken pretty candidly, publicly, as to many things about the church that I was anti or am currently anti. I mean, behind the scenes, privately, I've spoke even more candidly and more harshly but to those confidants, many people, even a part of the, my church family, who, who really knew and understood me, my support for the church was never in question. For me, and for me, and the reason for me, it's always been quite simple as to why I can never be anti-church. The church is made up of people, like real people, real people. I'll get back to that in a second. I mean, I always feel a need to preface all of this by saying. I do agree that organizations of people, including even churches, can have ingredients of unhealthiness that unfortunately are the dominant forces of the whole thing, and that's a bad thing. And let's just say it, some organizations need to just pack their bags and go away forever. And I also understand and even support many who never want to be part of organized religion in any way. I mean, I get it. They have their reasons, and oftentimes those reasons are very good. Right now, I'd say I'm talking to people who just write the whole church off as bad. Many who used to be a part of one. I'm also talking to people who are still engaged in church and sometimes 
eh, they're a little disheartened by some of the things churches do or are connected to in some way. But here's the verdict. In my little opinion, I'd say the norm, especially in nonprofit organizations like churches, including churches, there's usually a mixture of good stuff and bad stuff, sometimes more good and sometimes more bad. But if you throw it away completely, you're guaranteed to lose the bad and the good. I mean, this isn't debatable. There's no collection of people in an organization that's altogether good. I mean, outside of obvious exceptions, there's rarely a collection of people who are altogether bad. I mean, I kind of thought this about walking into Hobby Lobbies, but I really took a step back and I see the the little bit of good they offer. I, I just don't want to go in there. Now, I don't like what I'm about to say because it's such a loving approach to life and I'd, I'd love to live this way and how I view people. I say I don't like it just because it sometimes strips away my excuse for being angry and judgmental, which is a very easy thing to be. But my friend, Pastor Chip Judd, says basically people are doing the best they can with what they have. Their upbringing, things that they've encountered, the ups and downs of life, they're just doing the best they can. And with this sort of mentality, I like to think of the phrase team humanity, man. We all have our baggage. It's always due to something. We're capable of good, especially when we come together. At the very least, I see church in this light. I mean, far too long, I focused on the imperfections, hypocrisy, ill-intended motives, self-centered, egocentric, dark side of humans. And you know what? It's just not fun anymore. I mean, I'm I'm glad for that season, though. I feel like it's helped me with a more balanced perspective of people, the good and the bad, even having an appreciation for this. I, I mean, I see bad in me and in you, and I can love me and you despite. People are messed up. We get it. Let's accept that. Move on. And for me personally, I don't want that to be my focus ever with people. I mean, sometimes when I judge and camp out on the bad, I stop myself in my tracks and I give myself a little eye roll. Like, you're really going to be that simplistic with how you write people off? You dummy. Because typically when I do this, I put them in a simple box and humans are far too complicated for one box. And for the record, I don't see a lot of this happening from Jesus either for keeping track a whole putting people in boxes wasn't Jesus's thing. When we focus on bad, we also start making some pretty weird conclusions. Like, for example, people can get to a place in which they make enough observations of organized church and literally start to believe and even say publicly that all churches are the same. They're all bad. And for starters, any person who claims something along these lines is claiming some weird sort of omniscience of all churches in the world, like you've been to all of them, you've you, you got to know how they all function, reason, and, and carry themselves. I mean, that's incredible. It's like Santa on Christmas Eve stuff right there. I mean, unreal. So I, I have been at Seacoast Church for 18 years, worked on staff for 15 of those. It's really the only church I can speak of with much authority as to the ins and outs of it. 
And I'll say this, I mean, some of those years brought with it much discord in my heart. My wife and I have been very angry at our church sometimes, even hurt, sometimes even doubted whether or not we could be a part. And quite honestly, this was partly due to the fact that once again, no organization is perfect, but also there was a lot of ways we needed to grow personally as our own immaturity clouded some of our processing. My church, Seacoast, just built, I say just, but like a year ago, built a multi-million dollar building. The thing is big, man. Many can quickly say, that's too much, man. It's not needed. It's overboard. And many people at Seacoast would say, yeah, but we literally didn't have any room for people. Literally. And critics can retort with, well, stop being so consumer driven and you may not have that problem. I personally see both sides of the building argument too much to get into here, but personally, I I think a a lot of the current approaches to church will actually trend out in time. But for folks who take something like this and say, look, that's how they spend their money. They're bad. It's, it's, it's really that simple. eh? So let's assume a building, building these buildings is, is bad. It shouldn't be done. All right. So, you go ahead and focus on that and put everyone who's a part of that kind of church, leaders included, and put them in their little box. All money-hungry, consumer-minded, brand-driven companies just wanting control. I mean, while you do that, I'll tell you about a dear man in our church family who supported my wife and I through unbelievably painful relational conflict that both of us were navigating together. In relationships, we had hours, hours of his time showing us love, giving generously his expertise, given that these sort of things were his line of professional work for decades. I, I ponder the very building I referred to that Seacoast built and how it provides free spaces for literally hundreds of organizations to meet in, all, all in our community. Many organizations that do a lot of good for this world, I mean, now they have a free place to meet. The place is popping busy all the time. I mean, Tim Tebow Foundation, school systems, MUSC, which is a huge hospital here in in Charleston, Habitat for Humanity, and and some for-profits are able to meet there. I think think of a single mother at our church, a real woman who a couple just basically adopted her for the long haul, financially supporting her and continue doing so to this day. But we're not just talking about needs. They actually paid thousands of dollars for her to have dental work in order to have more confidence and better self-esteem. I remember a group of friends, all of them met at our church, chip in money for one of them to finally have a dependable car. Yes, they bought her a car. She needed it to get to work and to make ends meet. And her group of friends freaking bought her a car. I remember a family whose AC broke and because they didn't have the money to fix it, people just rallied together and one morning to buy them another, pulled their finances together. The stories are rallying together to meet financial needs. I mean, there's just too many to tell. For years, the former CEO of Fisher-Price... Your old school, if you know Fisher Price, old school toy company, 
but the former CEO volunteered full-time hours to manage the legal and financial direction of Seacoast Church. I mean, I think to have him as an official employee, he got paid an annual salary of $1. I think that's what it was, seriously, so he could be an employee. During this quarantine, when even the status of employment for workers was in question, Seacoast gave 20 25% of tithes to nonprofits who were aiding other people during this health crisis. That's on top of what they already regularly give. That's some serious financial giving power that likely wouldn't be possible if you hadn't a large number of participa participants, uh, community, and, and possibly partly because of how humans are wired up. You're not going to be able to assemble those sorts of numbers without a big building. I don't know. I mean, like my house church is could have given a grand, maybe two. We ain't collecting $50,000 in a weekend. That's for damn sure. I remember in my mental health crisis, crash 2019, it felt like our lead pastor and his a guy that oversees 15,000 people and his wife's it's like their world stopped to be with my wife and I minute by minute. I mean, I don't care for an evangelical church or not. In times like these, we were rallied behind, loved, and helped by people that were so sacrificial. Years ago, I remember when I, I just attended Seacoast, wasn't volunteering. And on a Sunday leading up to Christmas after service, people who needed money could stop by a table in the lobby to receive a sizable gift card to lighten the load during Christmas. No questions asked, just because. When North Charleston, a part of Charleston, was cited as one of the most crime-infested cities in Charleston about 15 years ago, our, our church built a dream center that has free a free medical clinic, offers free dentistry, gives away tons of nice clothes, and that's just scratching the surface. A friend of mine who I met at our church has spent countless numbers of hours fixing people's cars so that they can have money to provide their family with essentials because they don't make a lot of money and car repairs would have cost them an arm and a leg. And you know what? Sometimes this guy was a little grumpy about it, but still. And my local community of James Allen, a church back in 1989, started an outreach that distributed free groceries as a response to the aftermath of the catastrophic Hurricane Hugo. It now also provides financial aid to needy people in the community and even holds various classes for people needing better computer skills and direction and how to apply and get a job, various others. Even the church I grew up in, the one that warped me <laughs> with unhealthy theology, and even, I mean, they even have Saturdays where there's a humongous giveaway of clothes and resources and all sorts of things, and they've been doing this for years. But the church is altogether bad. That, my friend, makes no sense at all. So I, I can never discount people for trying to do good. I can never be against people trying to love. If you want to be so black and white about churches and say, because of these things, it's all bad. You better not, you know, you better stop the churches. There's a lot of other organizations that you should write off as well. And you don't, by the way. 
we we won't even get into those. I mean, do churches need to transition into healthier ways of doing things in the 21st century? Of course, that's the nature of life, cultural and human progress. Is the church entangled with some forms of evil? Yes, the nature of people and the reason for a savior. I mean, no one's righteous. We're all hypocrites. But we may have an epidemic of, of judgment in the church, and it's not the judgment of people's actions that bother me. It's the judgment of people's very hearts. And and we do this so frivolously. Done, I mean, we take a person, then we write everything off, and you look at the, the Catholic Church's scandal, are you going to write off Mother Teresa also, who was a Catholic? Uh, the Good Samaritan was a Samaritan, and we saw what he did. So he gets written off as just another Samaritan that's messed up. Uh, Helmut Kleinick is a German. He basically was awarded the designation of righteous among the nations at the Israeli embassy in Berlin on January the 14th. He risked his life to save many Jews during the height of the Holocaust. He was a Nazi. So lumping people together as the, as the same, it, it really does cause you to miss out on the good. I want to be part of an imperfect, imperfect community that's trying. I want to try and give good to it and through it. It's the human spirit, man. It's team humanity. I'm glad there's some good in all of us to enjoy. I'm glad there's a lot of that in my church. Thank you, guys.